With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. This episode of the Blockhouse podcast is sponsored by my friend Tiger at ITZTiger.music on Instagram. He does all the audio tracks for the Blockhouse podcast. He's on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Go check him out. The podcast is also sponsored by Day and Night, the ultimate revolution in vaping batteries, the double-bladed lightsaber of vaping. Why enjoy one flavor when you can enjoy two flavors at the same time? Go check them out on Instagram at Day and Night Battery. But wait, the podcast is also sponsored by Bengali, the new hip clothing brand that is about to take Medellin by storm. Quality clothing for men that fits right and that is stylish at the same time. I love it. I got tons of it. And you'll see me wearing it on the podcast. Get yours now. Go to bengali.shop on Instagram. Lastly, be sure to sign up for the Blockchain Insider newsletter. For only $250 a month, you will get weekly updates on the crypto market, my top investment picks, and advanced analysis to help you make better informed investment decisions. You can't put a price on that. So go click on the link in the description and sign up today. Hey guys, it is Monday, July 19th. This episode is from the previous week when we went live with Alexander Bloom, managing partner of Two Prime. So posting that now to you know keep getting caught up in my transition to Miami. Two Prime is a trusted investment partner looking for intelligent exposure to digital assets. Alexander and I discuss what they offer their customers exactly, and we also jump into the state of the crypto market and explain what the hell is going on still. So be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain and 2Prime. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Blockhouse Podcast Live, Mr. Alexander Bloom. How are you doing today? Hey, good, Brandon. How's it going? Going pretty good. Going pretty good. Um, yeah, so before we jump in and talk about 2Prime and everything and, you know, really dive into what you guys are doing and trying to accomplish, tell me a little bit more about yourself. I want to know, like, I'm sure everyone else does too, who you are, you know, what's what's your background, how did you get into crypto and blockchain? How'd you get to two prime? Yes. Yeah, so I'm Alex, the, the managing partner of two prime. Um, you know, it's been kind of like a long and eclectic road to, to be doing what I do today at our fund. Um, you know, generally I live in Colorado, like, uh, I was telling you, and I, uh, do a lot of outdoor stuff, hiking, I'm running a half marathon on, the, mm-hmm. on a trail run this weekend. Oh, nice. Um, and yeah, I mean, I originally grew up in Southern California. I went to undergrad in the Boston, uh, Massachusetts area. I was actually in the, the Peace Corps in Panama. And then it was really after I got back from the Peace Corps in Panama in 2012, I was trying to figure out ways to basically send remittances to people without bank accounts and came across Bitcoin and, and I was like, oh, damn, like this could be 
really good solution for that. And um, people were just starting to get smartphones at that time. And so I was really just intrigued by the intersection of like crypto or Bitcoin uh, and, and smartphones and how that could work. Uh, and then kind of went down the rabbit hole from there uh, and ended up working for a few venture capital funds that did stuff in the crypto space, looking at like early Bitcoin mining and some other venture investments early on. Uh, worked at some, you know, public equity, public uh, financial instrument hedge funds focused on trading high volatility option strategies around like the VIX derivatives like UVXY or VXX. Uh, and then when as Bitcoin and crypto became more popular, I just had some experience around it. Uh, and so I ended up doing some consulting work after grad school, uh, working for some venture funds for the World Economic Forum, for um, the Gates Foundation and others. And then uh, ended up starting a broker dealer and security token business that was providing both the software and doing uh, the fundraising for some strong startups while I was living in New York. And then I left New York uh, and came here about two and a half years ago. And with some of the investors from that um, broker dealer started a fund that was originally just managing our own money, our own crypto and trying to figure out how to use options to manage downside risk. And now I've created that as, a, as an open fund for some outside investors as well. Very nice. Um, yeah, you've bounced around quite a lot, huh? L LA, New York, Denver. Is do you, which do you prefer the most? I mean, those are three very different places. Yeah, and I, I lived in Panama. I also lived like on a hippie commune <laughs> in Vermont for like six months on a farm. Uh, I think amongst all of them, you know, I've I've been the happiest uh, here in Colorado. Uh, but I think that's mostly just a, a product of me the kind of lifestyle I've been living and getting outdoors in nature and um, taking good care of myself. And I think it has more to do with making a good life than necessarily kind of a reflection on New York or any of these cities, but more just uh, me, me growing up. Yeah. Panama is cool too. How long did you spend, spend in Panama? Uh, I lived there for about two years uh, with an indigenous tribe, pretty close to the border of, of Costa Rica in the like, maybe a lot of people know like the Bocas uh, area is like a party island, but near that area, there's a, a large indigenous reservation uh, that I lived on. Well, that's pretty cool. I've I've been to uh, Panama City a few times and stayed there. The yeah. weather is insane. Like, <laughs> there's not too many places I know of where you're, everything's fine. There's not a cloud in the sky. And then the locals are telling you to duck and cover because yeah. like every day at the same time you have some storm come in, and then it's gone in an hour, and you're just like, what the hell happened? Yeah. Um, you get some pretty bad, in Panama City, there's some pretty bad flooding in the streets as well. Like it'd be up to like your waist in water. Yeah, it's 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 the kind of crazy, but it's a beautiful city though. I, I love visiting it every once in a while in great weather, other than those little hiccups. Um, but yeah, so tell me a little bit more also about, you know, two prime. Like why'd you guys start it or and want to and want to do it? Like is it a fund just to invest into crypto and blockchain, or do you guys also invest in startup companies in the space? Or what, what's the main goal? Yeah, so um, myself and my partner, Mark Fleury, uh, originally started the fund. I mean, we really just originally saw there was an options market and started becoming interested in how can we use options trading to manage downside risk. So uh, it's kind of not, not super like sexy and it's not trying to like make crazier returns than you see with, uh, you know, regular Bitcoin and Ether, but more like, you know, I've been through a number of kind of boom and bust cycles in, in the crypto world. And uh, we were managing about 40 million of our own money and started asking like, you know, how can I use options to 
not lose this money during the next downturn or the next, you know, quote unquote correction. Uh, and so we were doing that for ourselves and kind of testing stuff. I, I brought in our CIO who worked with me at a, a volatility fund prior and uh, got things down pretty well where we could capture most of the upside of Bitcoin and ETH, but not experience nearly as much of the downside uh, through, you know, effectively intelligently buying put protection, uh, which is a complicated thing to do. And then um, earlier in, in beginning of this year, we launched that as a fund to outside investors uh, and so raised a bunch more money after that original 40 million. Uh, and then with the success of that, we just launched last month, the second fund that's more, even more conservative, that's focused on just earning yield. So having no kind of directional risk on Bitcoin or Ether or any other top digital assets, but just focused on capturing yield. So that could be through trading spot against futures, a very common trade or doing, you know, stable coins, staking, just ways where, you know, in the crypto world, it's like, you know, 20, 15% return is, is boring. But uh, if you go to people looking for fixed income or yield products in mainstream, you know, public equities markets, or, you know, they're looking at like corporate bonds or things that, you know, like maybe you find a 6% yield would be on the high end of the risk spectrum. And so our real target is to find people like that who, you know, are not trying to make a thousand percent return and take a ton of risk, but are just looking for ways to outpace our insane rate of inflation. Uh, and so we've done well with uh, the second fund, but the common theme is just kind of using derivatives and option strategies to uh, create structured products that take advantage of market dynamics, but um, are a little bit more kind of professionalized than, than just buying, you know, random crypto tokens. Yeah. And I got the website pulled up too. Um, so I imagine you guys focus a lot on like staking and DeFi and some of the things you guys can leverage there for your fund, correct? Uh, so we were doing on, on the yield fund side, uh, we were just focused on spot versus futures trading. And then that mm -hmm. trade, uh, at least currently is pretty thin. The spreads are very thin, if not negative, uh, in, in some cases currently. And so we have started doing DeFi staking in order to uh, find yield elsewhere. And obviously there's, you know, that capacity or, or you know, team ability to, to look into the DeFi world is uh, important. And I think the direction things are going. So we're increasingly taking a look at that stuff and getting involved. Yeah, there's some good yields, some good APY um, within DeFi and a lot of the, the tokens and coins there and, and staking on some of these blockchains. Um, so I imagine that's like, you know, part of something you guys are looking at for sure. Um, and then obviously you said like with futures trading and stuff like that too, correct? Yeah, yeah, and I think the thing with the DeFi stuff is I guess, you know, it's more structural or compliance oriented than it is like, oh, like, is this the best possible yield? But like, you know, we're a regulated fund. And so we need to a be able to explain to investors and to our regulator and to our fund administrator, like, all right, like what actually is going on here and like, how is it possible? And then um, beyond that, like, uh, you know, even if you, you say you're like earning 30% yield, you know, on some token and then, you know, it's going great for a year. And then on the day, you know, 366, the token crashes or there's a hack or something goes wrong. Well, like uh, there's a major problem if you're managing other people's money. And so, you know, first and foremost, it's making sure we can't, you know, lose money or minimize risk as much as possible. And then finding the best yield amongst that, uh, that set. Do you have a prior experience in the stock market trading and, and that stuff? sounds like you do. Uh, yeah. So myself and well, my other partner, Mark, as well as our CIO, uh, all manage our own money and, and been involved in different funds and hedge funds. Uh, specifically, our CIO, Nate, and I used to work at a hedge fund. Like I mentioned, trading uh, 
derivatives of the VIX in the public markets. So uh, the VIX, for, for those that don't know, is just a measure of calls versus puts, or it's another way of basically, you know, people buy calls when they think things are going to go up and they buy puts when they think things are going to go down. And so the ratio of those two is a pretty good measure of market sentiment. Like if everybody's buying calls, it seems like the market thinks things are going up. If everybody's buying puts down. And so there's a way to measure that that's called the VIX. And then there are financial products where you can trade the VIX. Uh, and so we were running a fund that, that traded the VIX and we've taken a lot of the strategies and, um, you know, statistical ways of, of measuring risk there and applied them into the crypto sphere, just blending them with some crypto specific indicators as well. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah. Do you guys, do you have to get any kind of special licensing in order to like manage a crypto type fund? Is that any different than managing a traditional financial fund? Um, it, it could be, uh, depends on what you're doing. In our case, we, you know, in the fund, we're only trading Bitcoin and ether, which are, regulated as commodities. So we're technically a commodity pool operator and, and there's licensing and registration for that in the United States. Um, so that's what we've had to do. Uh, if you're trying trading like more exotic cryptos or things that might be regulated as securities, uh, there's other, other requirements potentially. Is it tough to get permission to do that for Bitcoin and Ethereum, given that they are considered commodities in the US or is it, is it relatively similar to like securities trading or just straightforward? I'm just curious. Uh, commodities pool regulation is, is less onerous than uh, being like a running a securities uh, operation. And so it's uh, relatively simple. Uh, it's, I mean, you just pay lawyers and then you do it, but okay. it's, uh, a little bit easier. We're in the process, regardless of what you trade, as you get bigger, you have to be a RIA. So we're not the size where we have to be a RIA. And so that's another level of complication, but um, is a good problem to have. Yeah. So what, what's some of your guys' products and services more specifically? I got this pulled up as well. Um, but there's like a primary offerings, digital asset funds, one liquid yield funds. Um, yeah. Do you, can you explain some of those in detail in terms of like what you guys offer? Yeah, I think I, uh, here, let me fix this here. Oh, okay. I disappeared. Oh, there you are. I hit my, uh, USB port and got unplugged, but oh, no worries. Um, yeah, so you know, I think the investable products that, in terms of like things you can put in money in, are, are these two funds you have listed here: the digital assets fund and the liquid yield fund. Um, again, the digital assets fund is basically long Bitcoin and Ether with downside protection using options, and the liquid yield fund is focused on capturing yield in the crypto markets, but focus on dollar yield return. Uh, we have a stated target of 9%, but in reality, uh, that's a conservative end of what we're actually doing. Uh, the other aspects are, you know, we just work with family offices, uh, we have corporate treasury clients, we have venture capital fund clients, uh, and, you know, it's basically working in, you know, we don't have a thousand different clients. We have, you know, a couple dozen and the focus is getting to know their actual business or investment firm and designing things that are specifically oriented to them. But in some case that might be referring them to other venture funds that we know or other kind of private sale token funds that we're looking for, uh, but being kind of like a, you know, basically a investment advisor within this space and, and giving them resources, helping them to figure out how to, within a portfolio, allocate uh, things like that. Yeah. So that, so does that play into your investment strategies or do your investment strategies, um, you know, form what your products and services are beforehand? Yeah, sense. I mean, this this section of the website is kind of just like, 
you know, general info we've written up about, you mm -hmm. know, specific things like, you know, a lot of people sure. talk to you, want to know what's Bitcoin compared to gold or how to think about that, understanding Ethereum 2.0. Um, and so it's more of a educational or kind of fundamental basis of just common questions we get and, and ways to think about them. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah. Aside from two prime, what, what are your thoughts on the market right now? Obviously, you know, running a, a bit of a fund and, you know, trading in this market and seeing a lot of ups and downs. It's, it's kind of weird right now. It's very flat and it's been flat for a little while. Do you think, you know, we're still in this, you know, bull market cycle where, you know, things could just keep going, you know, as we get closer to the end of the year, or do you think things are tapering off or what do you, in your opinion, the state of the market, what do you, where do you think it's at? Yeah. So I guess there's, you know, crypto specific things to consider and then more macroeconomic ones uh, in the crypto world. I think in the crypto world, it's, you know, oh, like things are very flat, but it's, it's very common after there's like a big spike in price and return down that there'd be a period of consolidation in some cases, months or in other financial instruments, it could be years before you mm -hmm. see something major moving in any direction as things kind of reaccumulate. Uh, so it's typical kind of asset behavior that you'd have a, a more muted period for a while. And, you know, there's kind of these different volatility regimes of high volatility, medium and short and small volatility that, that you see across many assets. And it's uh, seems to be the case in, with crypto as well, or, you know, it does hold. Uh, we have seen like a narrowing of the range of, of volatility such that you tend to see a breakout in one direction or the other in those cases. Mm -hmm. uh, looks like we're getting pretty close to something It's going to happen pretty soon. Um, so, I mean, I think that's all kind of par for the course in terms of like, if you look at, you know, the skew on options buying behavior throughout the rest of the year, you know, there's not major bullish, uh, kind of buying in terms of options buying for this month. Though, if you look at, you know, September or December expiring options, or even ones out into 2022, there's, there's major, uh, right tail skew or, you know, bullish skew. So you'd expect that at least the market is betting that things are going to move up in terms of options buying behavior. The same is uh, reflected in futures where, you know, the monthly futures are, I think, negative or barely uh, flat in terms of their, their pricing and uh, slightly um, in contango in, in September and December and, and slightly more out, out to next year. And so, you know, the market is saying, hey, I don't expect much to happen, you know, super soon and, and things to slightly move bullish throughout the rest of the year. So those are some kind of like, Statistical indicators that the futures market, you see like a move in either direction and the whole thing changes pretty quickly. Uh, I think also just on a fundamental level, like uh, I think that it looks like we're maybe near a bottom or we've been holding at this level for, for quite a while. And if we see a breakout to the upside, uh, you know, I think it's fair to say we're in a, a pretty strong bottom at around 30 or 32. Um, I think also like just on a fundamental level, like you know, there's countries adopting Bitcoin. I know there's a lot of big investment firms that are moving into the space. There's increasing technology that's allowing people in small and medium-sized banks to integrate Bitcoin buying into their bank accounts. Um, so I think that, you know, buying behavior in general, like I, I suspect that we'll see the price move back upwards through the third and fourth quarters of this year, though, you know, in terms of our fund exposure, our fund behavior, we just look at the numbers and respond and react uh, and trying to provide kind of our fund mandate of, of downside put protection at all times. Uh, so um, yeah, those are some thoughts on a macro level, you know, there's, as I'm sure, you know, as everyone in crypto knows, crazy unprecedented amounts of money printing and at the same time, very low interest rates. And so uh, that's, 
unsustainable, scary behavior for, for the economy. And we're in an experiment. Nobody knows what's going to happen. But I can tell you that if there's lots of new money and there's things with fixed amounts of them, you're going to see flights to those things as, as we enter into uh, more uncertain or high risk periods of higher inflation. Uh, when interest rates are so low from the government and everyone's looking for places to put new money, it really puts you in a bad position when, when inflation is growing faster than interest rates you can achieve. That means you're effectively getting poor. Even like if I'm making 3% a year, but interest is growing 5% a year or inflation 5%, like I'm getting that 2% spread, I'm getting poor effectively. And so there's a lot of money looking for places uh, that can achieve yield or outpace the rate of inflation. Yeah, you know, talking about that narrowing range, you know, it's been in a really tight, like, I don't know what to call it, funnel or range, especially Bitcoin, where it's just been bouncing off of the 30,000 level, the, that 40,000 level, and hasn't really decisively gone anywhere. Um, why, why do you think that is? Do you think it's just a drop off in, in volume and just lack of interest at the moment, um, or just a bunch of retail investors scared out of the market? Um, or do you guys have a theory on that? Um, I think it's, I mean, there's just waiting going on, right? Like traders themselves are waiting for some kind of directional indication of where things are going. You know, I can make money in either direction, but need some indication of the direction. I think retail people, which are increasingly a less significant part of the buying behavior are, a lot of them are underwater, right? So they bought at 50,000 or they bought at 60,000. They're just like saying, ah, shit, I got to wait until the price goes back up or, um, maybe slowly getting out as they need money or something like that. And so I think it's just a lot of waiting, uh, waiting for new entrants to buy or, or sell so that um, you can see some kind of directional decision. Uh, you know, the longer you wait, the more kind of defined and precise you can do, you know, traders that are more on like the high frequency side can farm out smaller fluctuations. So they start getting those spreads tighter and tighter until eventually, you know, something has to break. Yeah. Um, who are your clients exactly? Um, they're like uh, wealthy investors, um, family offices, and, and what else? Yeah, so we have a number of like high net worth individuals, uh, a number of family offices, a few venture capital funds that want to put money to work while they're waiting to deploy it into like startup investments, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, a number of RIAs that, you know, small to medium sized RIAs that are looking for products for their clients. Okay, got it. Um, yeah. So what's, what are your guys' plans for, for the rest of the year? What, what are you guys trying to achieve, you know, as a funds? Like, do you have um, different types of products and services you guys want to put out there and, and start, um, you know, marketing and launch? Or do you guys just want to keep growing as a fund? Or what, what are you guys' goals? Yeah. So, you know, we just reached about $100 million in AUM in terms of the, the first fund. And then we just launched this yield fund uh, with just a couple million of our of my own money uh, like last month. And so, uh, you know, I think in the crypto space, we're like a little traditional or conservative where like, mm -hmm. we're, you know, mostly we're trying to attract high, you know, institutional kind of investments or, or high net worth individuals who are, you know, allocating on five, 10, 20 year time horizons. And so uh, for us, it's just refining and improving what we're doing, growing our AUM and not like changing things so much or being overly reactive to like, FUD or, you know, you know, some kind of change in the market, but just consistently doing what we say we're going to do, which is protect against major losses when Bitcoin and Ether pull back uh, and achieve yield in our yield fund. And so uh, mostly it's, you know, on the trading side is just getting better and better and more precise 
around how we make those decisions and how we express them through the options and futures markets. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say, you know, we're increasingly deploying capital into DeFi staking protocols. And so, you know, getting increasingly intelligent and, and, and better on that side, um, while not screwing it up is another major priority. And then, yeah, just uh, kind of raising money and, and, you know, doing what we say we're going to do. Is there like a certain dollar amount in terms of funds under management that you guys want to reach at some point, or do you guys kind of just work with what you got and, and you're good with that? Uh, I mean, it's kind of like when people say like, what's your desired salary, right? It's like <laughs> I mean, $5 million a year is sure. my desired salary. Well, would you rather manage a super large mega portfolio? I don't know, like a billion plus dollars or keep it under a certain amount? Um, I think, you know, for us, I mean, the beauty of like asset management, right, is like mm -hmm. if you have a million dollars or a billion dollars, you know, you're just adding a couple zeros and doing the same thing. And so, um, you know, the main restraints on our ability to execute the trades we do is just the volume of the options, futures and DeFi markets. So, we don't, you know, if we were at a trillion dollars trying to do our option strategy, it wouldn't work because it would be our trading would start influencing the market itself too, too significantly. Uh, that being said, the, both the options and futures markets are growing at exponential rates in terms of volume. And so, you know, I, I don't think we're anywhere near the, the capacity that we can achieve. So that's on like the assets side, but, you know, you can have a billion dollars from one person or you can have a billion dollars from a thousand people. And so what becomes difficult is being a good fund manager and like, financial partner to investors when there's so many. And so, you know, my interest is having like quality relationships with people I like that, you know, can, we can trust and work closely together and uh, doing the best for those people. And so um, to me, that means fewer clients and then just doing really well for them. And uh, that's kind of what we've done to date. But if those few people each want to give me $10 billion, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. The, the interpersonal relationships are always the most important thing to, to nurture and foster. Um, especially when you're handling somebody's money. Um, I, I usually ask this question, but I, I don't know how this applies, but do you guys have like a community, like a place for people to go and chit chat and discuss like on like a discord or a telegram or something like that? Or do you guys keep a lot of things like private and in house? So. Um, yeah. I mean, it's mostly have like one-on-one -on -one conversations with our investors or mostly we're referred investors from our existing kind of network. Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't have like a, you know, it's a more traditional. We don't have, we have a, like an email list and we send out monthly updates to our investors. People email us back sometimes and we talk to them, but um, no Telegram or we have a Twitter account. So, you, you know, we're on Twitter. Cool. Um, you know, other than the Twitter account, where should people go if they want to, you know, keep up and learn more about uh, 2 Prime and what you guys are offering? The website, obviously, Twitter, is there any other places they should look at? Yeah, I would say, I mean, on our website, um, you can sign up for our mailing list and we send out updates and, you know, things that when we're in the news, we, we send out like kind of a weekly market perspective on what we understand to be happening that I think is, you know, aims to be, you know, not just like a repetition of, oh, like, you know, Elon tweeted something, but something actually more insightful mm -hmm. and meaningful or maybe other things other people aren't looking at that factor into some of our decision making. Um, and then, I mean, the other thing we, you know, on a monthly basis are usually hosting a, a dinner somewhere. We were just recently in, hosted one in Austin and one in Miami and uh, we'll do some similar stuff in other cities uh, soon, but you'd have to be on our mailing list to, to kind of get the invite for that. Got it. How do you get on the mailing list? You uh, just, uh, sign up for it? Is it free or? Yeah, you can sign up for it on our website and yeah, you just put in your email and uh, it's free, free to receive our, our emails. Okay, cool. I'll be sure to do that as well. 
Um, anyways, you know, it's a good place to wrap it up. We covered quite a bit. Um, you know, Alexander, thank you for, you know, taking the time, um, obviously to come on the podcast and talk about two prime, talk about, um, you know, finance and, and crypto and talk about, you know, how you guys run a funds. It's, you know, pretty crypto based and everything you guys are doing. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that and working through, through my schedule, which is incredibly busy at the moment. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for the time. Yeah. Anytime, anytime. Um, I had one more thing to say, and I just spaced <laughs> it. That's like the worst thing. Uh, yeah, um, okay, anyways, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. So, yeah, thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon.